Week number two of closing the gap, closing the gap. Let me take you to our theme verse for the entire series. James chapter one and verse two says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and, that, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Let me just do a really quick review. It's super important that you get online and watch, go to YouTube and pull up People's Church and watch last week's message to get the entire message. But I talked to you last week about how you have to have the right perspective on your problems if you're going to see your dreams become a reality. And I taught you that your problems are not just problems. Your problems are opportunities, not obstacles. They're opportunities for you to grow. They're opportunities for you to develop, as this scripture says. They're they're opportunities for, for, for you to learn to persevere and become mature, lacking nothing. Your problems are not just problems. Your problems are tests to see where you really are. Your problems are not just problems. Your problems precede you getting a promotion. They precede your dreams coming to pass. Your problems, how you respond to them are so important. If you respond the right way to problems, you will close the gap, go from here to there and see your dreams come to pass. Your problems, we learned last week, are a proving ground. A proving ground is where a product is tested before it goes to market. So before a product ever goes to market, it's first tested, whether that's airplanes or cars or appliances or, or other products. Before that product is sold to the public, it is first tested to make sure that it's ready to, for, for use. And, and then if a product does not pass the test, the product has to stay in test mode. It never gets released to the public. It just stays in the proving ground. It stays in test mode. And some of you find your life stuck in test mode. You have dreams that you want to become a reality, but yet you feel stuck. You feel like you're not making any progress. You are in test mode. And that's what this series is all about. There are certain tests that you find in the Bible that if you will handle and lead right and respond right to those tests, if they will help you close the gap to see your dreams come to pass. And so today and for the next several weeks, we're going to highlight those tests. Why? Because I want your dreams to become a reality. I want you to close the gap. And so we're going to look at these tests and learn the right responses to those tests. This past week, I, I picked up my son from, from basketball practice. Two of my children are, are in basketball right now on teams. And I picked up my son, and when he got in the car, he said, Dad, practice was hard today. He said, it was, it was hard. He said, we, 
we did this, this drill and we was passing and, and layups and we had to do it in a certain amount of time and we, we didn't get it in a certain amount of time, then we had to do it again. We couldn't do the drill in a certain amount of time. And so the coach made us run suicides and we had to run, touch the line, come back, touch the line, come back, touch the line, come back. Touch the, and he said we had to do it in a certain amount of time. And we couldn't get the suicides done in the certain amount of time he told us. And so we had to do it again. And we had to do it again. Then when we got done with that, we had to do the drill again. We couldn't do the drill on time. And so we had to do the drill again. We couldn't do the drill on time. So we had to run some more suicides. We ran suicides. We couldn't get the suicides done on time. So he said, keep running. You're not you run it again. He says, you know, you know, run it again. Not do the drill again. They couldn't do the drill again. They weren't getting the drill done on time. He said, do suicides again. And he said, dad, all we did, all practice was run. Anybody remember back in your high school, junior high days, you know, anybody ever had to do that? You're just like, all you did was, was run. And you thought your coach was a jerk. <laughs> But his coach is not a jerk. Your coach wasn't a jerk. You know what the coach knows? The coach knows I got a bunch of ninth grade teenagers who just got back from Christmas break. You've been filling your body up with junk food. And I know you boys did not work out over those two weeks of Christmas break. And so I know you got dreams of winning these ball games, but you cannot see your dreams come to pass if you cannot get this drill done in this certain amount of time because you've got to be in a certain amount of shape so that you can be ready to win the ball games. I'm not trying to punish you. I'm trying to get you ready for your dream to come to pass to win the ball game. And whenever you find yourself stuck in test mode it's not because God's mad at you it's not because God's angry with you it's because God's got your best interest in mind it's because God's trying to get you ready for your dream to come to pass and God knows you're not ready yet so I've got you in test mode and I need you to respond right and you can quit the ball team you can quit running suicides you can just give up or you can respond right so that you will be prepared for your dream to come to pass and the first test I want to teach today about is the wilderness test the wilderness test the wilderness test is a dry season we all go through dry seasons in our life with God. The wilderness test is a season when you got way more questions than you got answers. What's going on, God? Why, God? What's happening, God? The, the wilderness season is a season where God even feels distant. God, you feel like you're a million miles away. I don't feel your presence. I don't see your fingerprints working. Where are you, God? Where are you, God? And what I want you to understand about the wilderness season is that we all go through the wilderness season. I go through the wilderness seasons. I go through dry seasons. You go through dry seasons. We all go through wilderness seasons. If you're in a wilderness season right now, and I know some of you are in the middle of a wilderness season, I want you to understand that you're not weird. It's, it's normal. We all go through wilderness seasons. Even Jesus went through the wilderness season. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 1, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. We all go through the wilderness. It's unavoidable. But understand this, church, we are not meant to live in the wilderness. 
The wilderness is a season, it's a place of testing, it's testing your potential, it's, it's helping you to make the necessary changes in your life so that you can be able to go to the next level of blessings that God has for your life. And here's the biggest lesson that I want to teach you today about the wilderness. It's the biggest lesson you have to learn about the wilderness. I've got to learn this about the wilderness season, and it's this right here. We all go through the wilderness season, but our response to this, to the, to, to, to our response to the wilderness season will determine how long we're in the season. Our response to the wilderness season will determine how long we're in the wilderness season. All of us will go through the wilderness season. It is unavoidable. You live life, you will go through the wilderness season. But how long you are in that season will be determined to how you respond to the wilderness seasons. Your choices will either keep you in the season or it will lead you out of the wilderness season. Let me show you this in Luke, excuse me, in in Deuteronomy chapter number eight. And I want to look at this portion of scripture found in verse number two. It's talking about the nation of Israel. And it says, remember how the Lord, your, Lord, your God led you through. Everybody say through. Remember, you're supposed to go through the wilderness, through the wilderness for these 40 years. And notice what it says about this. Humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Now, understand this, church, from Egypt to the promised land was an 11-day journey. But because Israel responded wrong in the wrong way in the wilderness, an 11-day journey took 40 years. That was never God's plan. God's plan was never for them to be in the wilderness for 40 years. But their response to the wilderness kept them taking another lap in the wilderness. The wilderness season is unavoidable. We all go through it. But your response to the season will determine if you're there for weeks, months, or years. And what I want to do for the next few moments, I want to give you three Wrong responses in the wilderness. I don't want you to live in the wilderness season. God never designed for you just to live there and be stuck there. I want you to get through the wilderness season to see your dream come to pass. But you've got to have the right responses in the wilderness season. So let's begin. Three wrong responses in the wilderness season. Number one is this, complaining and blaming. Complaining and blaming, complaining and blaming others will never get you out of the wilderness season. Complaining, complaining only takes away energy from today and never solves the problems of tomorrow. And the Israelites complained nonstop. I mean, just read the Bible. They just. God said, I hear you. Take another lap. You're not, you're not ready yet. You're not ready yet. Take another lap. 
Matter of fact, let me just show this to you. I'm, all of my fast typers online, I need you to get these scriptures up real quick. I need some of you right now to write them down real quick because I'm not, they're not going to come up on the screen. I'm not going to read the verse to you. I just want to highlight to you very quickly how much the Israelites just complained and complained and complained and complained. Exodus chapter 14, verse 11 through 12, they complained to Moses and said, you brought us out of Egypt into this wilderness to die. They even said, why? We told you to leave us alone. Exodus chapter 15, verse 24, they complained about the, the bitter water. Exodus chapter 16, verse 1 through 3, they complained about being hungry. Exodus chapter 17, verse 1 through 3, they complained about being thirsty. Ex Numbers chapter, this is, this is all in the wilderness, all in the wilderness. Numbers chapter 11, verse number 4, they complained about the kind of food they were eating. Numbers chapter 12, verse 1, Miriam and Aaron complained about Moses' leadership. Numbers chapter 14, verse 1 through 4, they complained about the giants in the promised land and refused to enter the land. Numbers chapter 14, verse 10, they complained and talked about killing Moses. Woo-wee! Numbers chapter 20, verse 1 through 5. They complained about having no water. Numbers chapter 21, verse 4 through 5. They complained against God and Moses. How many of you know that these were some complaining people? Some complaining. Take another lap. And here's what God's word tells us. The scripture I'm going to read to you, I surely have not mastered. But I'm striving. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14 says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Do everything without complaining and, and arguing. arguing. Why? Because complaining and just blaming will just keep you in the wilderness season. Zig Ziglar said, the more you complain about your problems, the more problems you will have to complain about. Isn't that true? You just complain, you complain, you complain. Take another lap. <laughs> complain, complain, complain. No, you're not ready yet. Another lap. Circle it one more time. You're not quite ready for the blessings that I have for your life. And it's easy for me and it's easy for you to find ourselves just complaining about life and complaining about everything. Complaining when the sun is out and complaining when it's raining and it's cloudy. Just complaining about everything. And here's what I want to help us do today. I want to give you five replacements for complaining. They're not going to come up on the screen. Five replacements for complaining. So get your notes out, jot it down. I want a note taken church. Five replacements for complaining. Here it goes. Number one, replace complaining with, pra with practicing gratitude. Replace complaining with practicing gratitude gratitude. You see, being thankful, having a heart of gratitude oftentimes is not a natural response for our human flesh. The natural response oftentimes is just to complain, to, to find the negative. And so what we have to do is learn to practice gratitude, practice thanksgiving, talk about your blessings 10 more times than you talk about your burdens. Just, 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 you got to just, pray. today I'm going to find things to have gratitude over, to be thankful for. Here, here's, a, here's a second way to replace complaining. Replace complaining with praising others. With praising others. So in other words, church, stop complaining and start praising the people in your life. And it's easy to complain about the people in your life. But I'm simply saying start, 
Start praising them. Find something good to say about them every day. Start, start praising your spouse. Start praising your boyfriend, your girlfriend. Start, start praising your boss. Start, start praising your co-workers. Start praising your children. Start, start praising your spouse or, or, or your parents. Find something good to say. Come on, praise the coach instead of just screaming at every practice. Find something good to say. I'm simply saying we've got to replace complaining with praising others. But pastor, I'm not going to do that. Take another lap. You're not ready yet. You, 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 you're, not, you're not ready yet. Re- replace complaining with focusing on success. Replace complaining with focusing on success. And, and so what I'm saying is stop complaining about your day and start what I call a success journal. I, I started journaling this year. I'm proud of myself. I got one of them short journals. You only get to write four lines every day. That's my kind of journal right there. I'm not going to fill up nobody's page, but, but I can do four lines. And, and here's, what, here's what I want you to do. Come on, I'm trying to get somebody out of a bad habit of complaining so you can see your dreams come to pass. Somebody needs to get you a journal, start you a success journal, and just every day write down one thing about your day that was great. Ah, Pastor, I don't have not one thing. Well, my goodness, is Jesus not on your side? You've got one thing about every day that was great. It might have been an accomplishment. It might have been a phone call. It might have been a text. It might, it might have been a meeting. It might have been a conversation. Just one thing about your day that was great. I'm simply saying replace complaining with focusing on success. Here's a fourth. Here's a fourth. We've got we to kick complaining out of our heart so that we can go to the promised land. Number four, replace complaining with letting go. This is big. Replace complaining with letting go. In other words, focus on the things you have the power to change and let go of the things that are beyond your control. Stop wasting time complaining about what you can't change and start focusing on what you can change. Replace complaining with letting go. And here's here's a fifth one. Here's a fifth nugget about replacing complaining, and that is replace complaining with prayer. If you have time to complain about it. You have time to you have time to pray about it. I'm simply saying just start praying about it. Start praying about it. Complaining and blaming will only keep you in the wilderness. How many of you know it's better to lose count naming your blessings than to lose blessings counting your troubles? Church, don't block your blessings. Don't block your best blessings. Stop standing there complaining and get out of your own way. God has got more. He's got a dream for you. He's got a promised land. He wants to take you from here to there. But we've got to just silence the complaining in our hearts so our dreams come to pass. Number two is this. Here's a second one. Is mocking your miracles. The second wrong response in the wilderness season is mocking your miracles. The Israelites experienced miracle after miracle after miracle. Matter of fact, when they were in Egypt for 400 years of bondage, it was God's miraculous power that actually took them to the wilderness. God performed miracles in front of Pharaoh for him to let God's people go. God parted the Red Sea, the scripture says, and the children of Israel walked through the Red Sea on dry ground and their enemies were swallowed up in the water as it caved back in. It was a miracle. 
And then they got to the wilderness. And can I tell you, even in the wilderness, God provided miracle after miracle after miracle. Let me just show you one example of this in Exodus chapter 16 and verse number two. It says in the in the desert or this is in the wilderness, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. And Israel was complaining about having no food. And here's what I want you to see is God responded to Israel. He heard their cries. He heard their prayers. He heard their complaining. And then God provided miraculous food for them every day. It was called manna. It was this type of bread. And every day, except for one day a week, God would rain down this miracle manna. He, he would, every day he supplied miracle manna from the sky so his people could have something to eat. And then I want you to see what Israel says about the miracle manna that God was providing for them in Numbers chapter number 11 and verse number 4. It says the rabble, these were people who, who, who were not Israelites but they left Egypt with the Israelites and were a part of the Israelite tribe. Uh, they were with them and it says the rabble with them began to crave other food and again the Israelites started wailing and said if only we had meat to eat we remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost also the cucumber melons leeks onions and garlic but now we have lost our appetite we never see anything but this manna nothing but that manna falling from the sky that we don't even know how? But we do know we're sick of it. And the very miracle they prayed for, God provided. And then they mocked the miracle. And Moses points out a very powerful truth whenever we find ourselves mocking God's miracles, mocking God's blessings. And he says this in Exodus chapter 16 and verse number eight. He says, Moses also said, you will know that it is the Lord. It was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? Now notice this. You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Moses said, you think you're grumbling against me. You think you're mocking me. He says, no, you are grumbling and complaining to the Lord. You know what God said? Y'all not ready. <laughs> Y'all not ready. Right? You just got in the wilderness already, already mocking my miracle matter. I, I don't want you to take another lap, church, and I want you to identify this. I want you to think about this. What miracle or blessing did you ask God for? And he provided, and now you're mocking the miracle. You prayed for that car. Now you're talking about, I can't believe I got to go get an oil change. Time for the oil change. Dumb car, why does the tire keep going low? Nobody's got time to be stopping before work to air up that 
tired when it's 20 degrees outside. Dumb car. You pray for that house. Lord, oh, Lord, let me be a homeowner one day. Oh, God, give me. God gave you a house. Lord, why the water heater go out? You, you prayed for that husband. You asked God for that wife. Pick your, pick your drawers up off the floor. You ask God for them kids. Oh, Jesus, give me a kid. He gave you four of them. You, you, you pray to the Lord for that job. Oh, Lord, give me a good job. I want to provide for my family. I want to have more than, oh, God, give me a good job. And God has given you a job. I just hate that. I don't even want to go to work tomorrow. I just, I just hate that job, that job. That is trying to get over on me. I'm just, that job, them people, I just, hey. Oh, God, give me a job where I'll make more money. God gave you, you he got a promotion. You're, you're making more money. My goodness, now I got to pay more taxes. I mean, which one do you want? I've, I've had some people tell me this before. Pastor, pastor, I just don't know, man. I'm, I'm making a lot of money. I don't know that I can tithe. I'm making so much money. Well, the Lord can fix that. Get you down to an area where you feel comfortable. It's amazing. We complain. You know what I'm saying? We're not mocking God's miracle. Oh, God, give me a church that preaches the word of God. Give me a church that, that has a heart for unity and diversity and a heart to reach the lost and the broken. Oh, God, give me that kind of church. Oh, God, thank you for my church, but God, what's right? they won't even sing my song. I don't do what I want. I just, and we find ourselves mocking the miracle. God, give me food in my refrigerator. I did, but not that kind of food. God, God, give me clothes in my closet. And God gave you clothes in my, you looked there this morning, had 12 pairs of jeans. Somebody, I don't have nothing to wear. Lord, would you develop me? Oh, Lord, develop me. Oh, Lord, grow me. Grow me so I can see, develop, Lord Jesus, develop me so I can see my dreams. Okay, problems. <laughs> Lord, don't develop me, Jesus. Don't, don't, de don't develop me. Come on, just write in the chat line. Just write this down. This is not for me, but I know it's for you. Yeah, yeah just go ahead and write that. Yeah, uh-huh. Church, daily count your blessings and name them one by one. If you're not careful, the very miracle you prayed for, God has supplied miracle manna, and now you're mocking the miracle, and now you're mad at God when God says, you're not, you're not ready. You can't even handle these blessings. Talk about you want some more. I, I like doing that, church. It's just... Number three, number three, the third wrong response in the wilderness. Number three, I called it hustling backwards. One of the reasons that we need the wilderness is because we can't get out of Egypt. Or let me say it like this. You can get out of Egypt and not get Egypt out of you. 
And God says, you got to go through this wilderness because you're not ready for the promised land. I can't let you go there like this. Yes, you're out of Egypt, but Egypt is not out of you. And I want to use the wilderness season to get Egypt out of you so that you can be ready for the promised land. And Israel was not ready for the promised land. They had Egypt in them, even though they were out of Egypt, they still had poor thinking. Small thinking, a slave mentality, poverty mentality, a blaming mentality, a losing mentality, an I can't mentality. They had a stuck mentality. They had a going backwards mentality. Israel spent all their thinking and their energy on going backwards. I call it hustling backwards. Doing a lot of work. Doing a lot of walking, a lot of talking, just to go backwards. Hustling backwards stops you from seeing what God is doing in a wilderness season. It causes you to view your problems as obstacles instead of opportunities. It causes you to want to go backwards instead of wanting to go forward. And here's what I want to do. I just, I got to show this to you, church. Sometimes I'm in my own study time, it blesses me so much. And, and I just got to share with you one of these things. It just blessed my heart as I saw it. And it encouraged me. It, 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 it did some work in my own heart. I want you to see how the Israelites have their minds focused on Egypt, the past, instead of on the promised land, the future. I'm just going to show this to you really quickly. I want you to see this. Exodus chapter 14, verse number 11. They said to Moses, was it because there, there were no graves in Egypt that, we, that you brought us back to the desert to die? What, we, what, what, what have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would, be, it would have been better for us to, to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Hustling backwards. Exodus chapter 16, verse 3. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food that we wanted. I mean, they're focused on the past instead of the future, hustling backwards. It's over and over and over. Exodus chapter 17, verse 3. But the people were thirsty for the water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Hustling backwards. Numbers chapter 11, verse 5. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also, the cucumbers melon, leeks, onions, and garlic focused on the past, hustling backwards. Numbers chapter 14, verse 2 says, all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. You don't need a leader to take you back to Egypt. Just go on back. You need a leader that'll take you forward. You need a leader that has vision. You need a leader that sees more than you see and before you see. You need a leader that will make you uncomfortable to push you into your destiny. But let me tell you something about the wilderness. I'm not picking on these people. Because church, in the wilderness, we are all severely tempted to go back. It's one of the greatest temptations in the wilderness to go back to go back to what you know, to go back to what's 
comfortable, to go back to your old life and old habits, it's, it, to go back to old friendships. It's, it's what's comfortable, to go back to old addictions and old drama. It's amazing to me the people that say, I don't know why I got so much drama in my life. And then the next month, they're back in the same drama again because certain people are attracted to drama. They just like it. It's, it's, that, it's that old way of thinking, going back to old pain and old routines and old life. It's just old way of thinking. And God is trying to grow you and me in the wilderness, but you cannot grow and get all that God has for you if you keep trying to go back to what's comfortable. As your pastor, let me say this to you. Don't go back. Don't you go back. God's brought you too far for you to turn around now. Don't you go back. Don't you go. Don't go back to Egypt. Go forward. Go forward. Go forward. They, they, they said it again. Numbers chapter 20, verse number four. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Why, why, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? Numbers chapter 21, verse five. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Wilderness. And, and I want you to see, as they have this hustling backwards mentality, I want you to see God's response to the people's backwards thinking. May this speak to you today. Numbers 14, verse 11. The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I have performed among them. How long will they refuse to believe in me? Wow. That's some strong language. And church, what I want you to grasp is Israel never understood that the wilderness was always God's plan. They never understood it. Before they ever left Egypt, the wilderness was always God's plan. It wasn't second best. It was a part of the plan. Exodus chapter 7 and verse 16. Then say to him, talking about Pharaoh, Moses to Pharaoh, the Lord, the God of Hebrews has sent me to say to you, this is when in Israel was in Egypt and Moses was standing before Pharaoh. He said, let my people go so that they may worship me in the promised land. No. So they can worship me in the wilderness. But until now, I have, you have not listened before. They left Egypt. God said, here's my plan. I want my people to learn to worship me in the wilderness. I want my people to learn to worship me in the in-between season. That's a word for somebody today. I've come here to tell somebody today, if you're going to learn, if you're going to get out the wilderness, you got to learn to worship God in the wilderness. You got to worship God in the wilderness. You got to worship God in the wilderness. God's plan for you to get to the promised land is first you got to learn to worship in the 
wilderness. Worship through your challenging marriage. Worship through your family acting crazy. Worship God through your child not serving God. Worship God through financial trouble. Worship through the pain. Worship through the confusion. Worship through the drama. You got to learn to worship when tears are coming down your first face. Come on. Worship don't whine. Worship don't worry. Worship don't waver. Worship while you wait. Worship while you walk in the wilderness. The right response in the wilderness is Lord, teach me to worship. Oh God, teach me to worship. It's not going my way, but teach me to worship. They're on my nerves, but teach me to worship. I don't understand what's going on, but teach me to worship in the wilderness. Teach me to worship in the in-between season. Oh, teach me to count it all joy. To count it all joy. Somebody, somebody worship in the wilderness. Somebody worship in the wilderness. 